Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. TIKA.com. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. This heat is especially dangerous for Texans because their power grid is fragile. You might remember that back in February, winter storms left more than 4.8 million homes and businesses without electricity for days. So it's good that the stars at night are big and bright, because there's no lights in Texas. Hmm. The humor has lacked, uh, what's the word? Humor so far today. Lon He Chen, one of our favorite political pundits, coming up in about uh, 10 minutes or so. I don't know what we're going to talk to him about. We haven't decided yet. Stuff. Stuff. Uh, Politics, all? probably. Or policy. Certainly, yeah. Coming up even sooner than that, the five-hour workday. It's the hot new trend in business. What? I'll tell you about it. Five yeah. hours? Five hours. You heard me. Twenty. So, <laughs> slacker. <laughs> Speaking of Texas, another one of those surveys is out. This of American moving companies who would know where are Americans fleeing from and uh, where are they going? Moving Amer- up. Americans, <laughs> well, or east or west, Americans are fleeing blue states such as New York and California for southern and southeastern states, especially Texas and Florida. Uh, crime, politics, et cetera, the usual things are mentioned. Uh, during the 2020 pandemic, uh, Americans are following similar moving trends as prior years. There was a bit of a lull last year. But uh, let's see. The report found that Californians who have opted to leave are largely moving south to Texas or north-ish to Idaho. 
Among states experiencing, experiencing a large exodus of residents, New York, in particular New York City, saw the most people leave. The next cities people are leaving are, interestingly, Anaheim, San Diego, and Riverside, California, and then Chicago. Hmm. People are fleeing Chicago in droves, which is too bad because it is a great, great city, or at least it used to be. Uh, you know, maybe, why? Uh, where is it? I can't see it. I should have my glasses on. Uh, give me clip number 70 as, li- as long as we're talking about Chicago. The gun violence never stops in the city of Chicago, but always seems to flare in the summer months. Last night, two people were killed, and there were nine different shootings in the city of Chicago. Tuesday brought the deadliest day that the city has seen thus far this year with a mass murder in the troubled neighborhood of Inglewood. Four people were killed, another four injured. Several of them were shot in the head. Chicago is already outpacing the deadly murder rate from last year. Mayor Lori Lightfoot has proposed banning liquor sales after midnight. Again, she's calling for tougher gun laws, and now with Democrats in control of the White House and Congress. She wants help from the U.S. government. We will be calling upon our partners in the federal government to step up and help us because we need to have a united front against this illegal scourge of gun violence. One Chicago alderman calls her statements political because legal guns are rarely part of the street violence in Chicago. Yeah, so they have some of the strictest gun laws in America in Chicago. Um, and have people getting shot you know, left and right compared to, like, for instance, Wyoming, which has some of the loosest restrictions in the entire country, and nobody's shooting anybody. So, come on, what's your explanation for that? And Culture. As it, and as, <clears throat> well, that, yeah. Uh, and as was pointed out there, most of the shootings aren't with legal guns anyway. What, what, do, I mean, when politicians say that, do they actually think they're going to solve the problem? Because I would think when you're mayor and people are dying left and right in, in you know, your community, because she's a black female, Black mm-hmm. communities shooting each other a lot. I would think she'd have an interest in actually solving that. Does she think that that's actually going to help? Or I would think one of her aides would say hey, it's actually illegal guns. So any gun laws aren't going to really put a dent in the shootings. That really would have nothing to do with it. That's such a great question. Does she actually believe that, or is that just repeating democratic dogma? I don't know. So you know better than me because you know Chicago better than I do. Um, is it still the case where it's mostly? You know, in certain neighborhoods, like I can avoid getting shot pretty easily in Chicago by not going to certain neighborhoods. Yeah, yeah, primarily, although a lot of innocent bystanders are getting shot. Now, yeah. granted, they're in those neighborhoods, obviously, but, but you I mean, ought to be able to be in any neighborhood as an innocent bystander and not get shot. Right, yeah, and often it's just people driving, uh, you know, down one of the main surface streets in that hood to get where they're going. They get hit by stray bullets and the rest of it. But getting back to the moving statistics, I just could, I wanted to get that on at some point today. Um, in addition to New Yorkers, dwellers of three states in particular, New Jersey, Maryland, and California, are fleeing to southern and southeastern states. Residents of Pennsylvania and Michigan also fleeing, but that's a continuation of a trend from previous years. They're almost always in the top 10 for outbound moves. Illinois remains in the top 10 for outbound moves. Uh, Meanwhile, the most popular destinations for movers are Idaho, and Idahoans are well aware of that and being driven crazy by it. Um, Arizona, Tennessee, South Carolina, North Carolina, Florida, Tejas and Colorado. Last year, Tennessee surpassed South Carolina, according to the 29th. So, and the most popular city to move to is Phoenix, followed by Houston, Dallas, Atlanta, and Denver. I know people going to all those places. Uh, yeah, me too. A good friend of mine is, is so excited about moving to Tennessee, he can't stand it. Um, anyway. 
Uh, Lonnie Chen coming up in a couple of minutes, and I can pay off the, the coming of the five-hour workday. Enormous boosts to productivity. Enormous boosts, boosts to total productivity. Until dot, dot, dot. You got to stay tuned. What? Oh, man. Crap. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me now. <laughs> Dang it. All right. Like talking to Lonnie Chen? Oh, yeah, he's brilliant. And uh, other stuff on the way. Stay here. Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Juan, he took his kids to Disney World, or like just he as an adult went to Disney World? Okay, he took his kids. Okay, four kids. Uh, I was about to say something harsh about adults who go to Disney uh, on their own, but uh, then I remembered a relative. Well, I'm thinking, I'm, I get Disneyland and Disney World mixed up. So Disneyland is California. I've never been. S- and so uh, I'm thinking about taking my kids. Lon Hee Chen just took his kids to Disney World in Florida, which has been open, I think, the whole time. Well, plus you got the Epcot Center there and uh, all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah. Beautiful Orlando. Let's greet Lon Hee Chen, David and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution and the Director of Domestic Policy Studies at Stanford University. Lon Hee, how are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me this morning. I'm wondering how you rode the rides. Did you have to crawl over the dead bodies from everybody that died during the COVID pandemic since they were open in Florida but not open in California? No, no. Uh, actually, what they did was you didn't have to wear a mask, uh, you know, when you're just walking around outdoors. And uh, when you're taking a ride, whether that ride is indoors or outdoors, you had to wear a mask. Now, those were Disney rules. Those weren't weren't Florida rules. Uh, it, when you went outside Disney World, the situation in Florida was, was extremely different. I mean, I've told people it was a real study in contrast being in Florida versus obviously we live in California and, and taking the kids there and taking the family there and having them see kind of how a state has dealt with the situation very differently. Yeah, well, it was eye-opening to my kids. We just drove to see Grandma and Grandpa, so we drove through Nevada and Arizona and, you know, walking in convenience stores with no masks. And the reason for that is there's no COVID around and everybody's vaccinated. That's the reason nobody's wearing masks. They just It was just eye-opening to them that, that well, it was a lesson in policy that, you know, a grown-ups make decisions on things, and different grown-ups make different decisions, and, you know, that will inform them going forward, I suppose. Yeah, no, that, that's definitely true, and I think the other, the other piece of it is that you, you realize how important these decisions that states make are, right? I mean, these are things that affect your everyday lives, and they've had big impact on our economy. Certainly here in California, we've seen it, that different kinds of decisions affect people's livelihoods. These are very real decisions. They're not Sometimes I think these politicians, you know, they're, they're, they think they're playing around. They think, well, we've got power. This is fun. They don't realize there are some very real impacts to the kinds of decisions they make, and not just the initial impacts, but second-order effects and third-order effects. I mean, if you look at Florida, because they have enabled a tourism economy to continue at some level throughout the course of the pandemic, the Florida economy is, is in better health than the California economy. And, mm-hmm. and that's just the, the reality of the situation. Well, I think academics spend so much time in theory that sometimes they have trouble remembering, because a lot of politicians are academics, they have trouble remembering, oh, these, 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 there's actual real people here. It's not just a, you know, a piece of paper and numbers. And like they don't said. always behave like you think they will or should. Yeah. 
Well, hey, speaking it, of people behaving oddly, Lonnie, what do you make of the crowd that is still, say, masking individually outdoors in large numbers in the progressive parts of America? It, it, what's your conclusion? What's going on here? Well, I think it's a combination of two things. I think one is the sort of overhang from just how polarized we are. And unfortunately, some of these public health questions got deeply polarized during the height of the pandemic. Uh, you know, and, and it became more than about what we were learning from the science, what we learned in terms of what was best to keep people safe. It, it sort of went from that to virtue signaling. And, you know, which is not to say that all of this is virtue signaling, but I think some of it is, quite frankly. I think some of it is getting people to behave in a certain well, way. Well, it's not signaling you it. understand the science. I guarantee you that because you're well, not. That's, I mean, that's and, one and thing I you're think, not signaling. Well, and I and I think that's a great example, right, because the even the CDC has revised its guidance with respect to if you're outdoors and you're engaged in activity outdoors, what kind of masking is required, you know, and those rules have changed officially and. Of course, those rules, I think, changed a little bit later than they should have. I think we've known about outdoor transmission and issues involving outdoor transmission for some time now. And and even then, you still see a bunch of people who, who decide, you know, they're, they're, that they're going to mask. Now, in some cases, I, I, I want to say in some cases, I think it is a personal choice. In some cases, though, it, it does strike me that people do it because they want to be seen doing it. And uh, that is unfortunately something that, as I said, we've all become so polarized. It's become such a politicized issue. I'll tell you the thing that bugs me, though, guys, really fundamentally, which is from the beginning of this thing, we've been told by public health authorities to follow the science. But repeatedly, those public health authorities have been the ones issuing hypocritical statements, right? Uh, You shouldn't gather in crowds, but it's okay if you gather in crowds as long as it's for the right reason. You have to mask. But you don't have to mask if you're getting together with the right kind of people. That kind of guidance drives people nuts. And I, that, that, I think, unfortunately, really does eat away at our at our trust in governmental institutions. Talking with Lon He Chen. So we've been talking a couple of things that were in the news. That Well, every day there's something in the news about critical race theory. But we're playing some uh, Ibram Kendi and talking about the anti-racism book and that sort of stuff. Critical race theory. How big an issue is this for Republicans? Are they going to try to use it? in uh in the 22 election and do you think it's a good idea to use it well i i think it's definitely an issue uh i think it speaks to the broader issue or broader problem that i think many americans are experiencing which is whether they're you know republicans or democrats or whatever i I think there's a lot of americans who are sick of being told what to do and what to think and in some ways the discussion and the battle over critical race theory Uh, And, you know, actually it comes from critical legal theory, which was a a thing when I was in law school and was really in the ascendance during a period of time, you know, in the 1990s and early 2000s. This whole notion that we have to see the world through a racialized lens. Uh, I think a lot of Americans look at that and they say, you know what, that's not how I see the world. Uh, I see the world as let's create opportunity for everybody, regardless of race. Let's, you know, let's figure out a way to to try to live up to the ideals on which the country was founded. And, and so as a result, I think this pushing of critical race theory onto people 
we're starting to see a little bit of resistance, not just from conservatives, mind you, but from people who are who are in the center who are saying, listen, I don't I, I don't want to be told what it is I need to think because I spent my whole life developing my own thoughts and my own impressions, my own feelings on these things. So I, I think that's the resistance point, guys. I don't think it's going to be the specific issue of critical race theory. I think critical race theory speaks to a bigger problem that people have with the far progressive left right now. Right, I would agree, although the indoctrinating the kids in schools into this horrible racist uh, philosophy, that is specifically a political issue that I think will stick and, and get people's attention. Uh, a, a bit of a change in topic. I've been looking at alternate voting systems lately, whether it's ranked choice voting or I've recently fallen in love with uh, approval voting, where if there are five candidates and you think three of them are pretty good, you vote for all three of them, and they, they just count up who gets the most votes, which better represents the true will of the populace. Uh, what do you think of any of those systems? Any of them got a chance to take hold? Well, we're going to see, you know, there's a, an actual uh, deployment of this in New York City in the mayoral election. They're going to use a form of ranked choice voting, and, and it's in existence in a few other places. Most of the places where it's been in existence before we're going to see it deployed in, in New York City this year have been relatively smaller uh, jurisdictions where, you know, they're able to get the population really well up to speed on what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, I love looking at alternative forms of people being able to get their views and, and, and their points of view expressed and known. My only concern about all these is that people will not have the ability to fully uh, understand and be explained to them what it is they're doing. You know, I think sometimes we go and it's confusing enough. We got to vote on 40 ballot propositions or whatever in California sometimes. So my thing is I would love to see how these things work in these jurisdictions and let's figure out. What are the really the, the best ways for people to express their points of view in a way that can be clear and concise? And then let's let's start to roll those out a little more broadly. So I agree with you. Some of these forms of expression are really great, but I do worry about overcomplicating the system uh, because it's already pretty darn complicated. As mm-hmm. Lon Hee Chen calling for the end of democracy because people are too dumb. <laughs> paraphrasing his comments. Mm. No, I, I mean, listen, I. I am very curious to see how this all works in New York City. I would love to be able to see us begin to, to see this. And I, I think some places in California are actually thinking about doing this. Some places in other states are thinking about doing this. Let's see how it works. You know, And if people say, yeah, I kind of like the way that this is. I feel like I'm able to better express myself. Let's do it. Well, um, Maine, again, like, Maine has been doing ranked choice voting, and MIT did a study and found that the campaigns got more negative, which ran counter to what people expected yeah. to happen. Yeah, I'm yeah. not not surprised by that because negative campaigning, even though people say they don't like it, it happens to work, and and that's what the political science research shows over and over again. Well, my learned opponent, Lon He Chen, with another one of his lies. <laughs> oh, that's right. You're a guest. You're not my opponent. Lon He Chen, David and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution, Director of Domestic Policy Studies at Stanford University. Lon He, always enlightening. Thanks a bunch. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. So here's a guy who's worked on uh, Mitt Romney's campaign at a high level, Marco Rubio's campaign at a high level, and he's done the research and says that negative campaigning, it just it's just a fact, dudes. It works. Oh, absolutely. I don't think there's any doubting that. Huh. And it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> so I fell in love with approval voting. Uh, the only flaw to it is it's impossible to see if somebody's tampered with the ballot because maybe you voted for two uh-huh. people, maybe you voted for three. I'm working at the polls. I add whatever right. uh, mark next to my favorite guy's name over and over and over again. It's impossible to see it's fraud. 
Portland police's entire riot squad resigned yesterday. Have you heard this story? And why and I don't they blame did? them. And how about a video of tarring and feathering white women that they showed to school kids in New York? That's a good story. Strong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So yesterday we mentioned a school in the L.A. area, super expensive uh, private school, like fifty-six grand a year to go to school there, and there was some sort of they're teaching some sort of horse crap, critical race theory. Um, all white people are racist uh, stuff, and some, the whole system's racist. We must tear it down. And some parents complained. Here's an even more expensive school in the New York area. I'd never heard of the Spence School, where people are paying eighty-five k. To send their kids to grade school. They call it that because it's so expensive. I'd, I'd like to attend for like just a day to see what you get for $85,000. That's a lot of money. You get to say you send your kids there because you're a hedge fund zillionaire. I mean, oh, yes, my kids go to the Spence school. Oh, Well, you'd have to be already incredibly wealthy because that's enough money that if you sent them to public school and saved that much their entire schooling career, they'd never have to work. 
You can just right. invest it, and it's never work. Right. Because that's a lot of money. Anyway, this elite you man. Child. This el- <laughs> Thank you, Michael. The audio art of Michelangelo. You child followed by the cash register sound. There you go. You see what I did there? Oh, yeah, I did see Brilliant. what you did there. Yeah, that's good. This that's elite nice. Manhattan school is under fire for showing students a video that a mom said tarred and feathered white women and sent a letter to parents claiming it was a significant mistake. So the teacher that came up with this is apologizing, and the head of the school is saying, we're going to retrain the teachers. You're going to retrain the teachers? Because you, you, you had mistakenly not done the training that said a video about tarring and feathering white moms uh, is not a good idea, and you needed to do that. The video openly derides, humiliates, and ridicules white women, says one Hispanic mom who didn't like it. The kids, the kids sat there in their graduation dresses while the white mothers of the white students, many of whom volunteer, donate, call, email, do whatever to the, the school asked them to do to be good parents, uh, were tarred and feathered in a video that the teachers showed them while the white female teachers were mocked. Um, the episode included uh, this woman who's in charge telling a writer, I believe that you are not concerned with how annoying white women can be. It was included in the video. And they used lyrics from the song WAP uh, that they rewrote to talk about how uh, awful white women are. For nice. the graduation! Hmm. And I guess they thought it would be funny, because everybody's in agreement that white women are the worst, aren't they? Oh, man. Can you imagine? Ha, ha, ha. Well, you got to retrain that teacher to not do stuff like that. How crazy have we gotten? I know. And this is among the elite of the elite, certainly in terms of finances. Yeah. Racism is hot, man. It's in. Do it. It just, it's got to be against white people. So Portland police got uh, the, their entire riot squad resigned. Now, this is uh, what I heard. Joe has a different story, so this is interesting. Portland police's entire riot squad resigned after a cop was indicted for striking, quote, an activist photographer, who the cops say was just a rioter with a baton involved in a violent protest and was trying to set a gov- government uh, building on fire. So he's swinging the baton, trying to set a government building on fire. The the riot police tried to stop him, and now a cop is being um, uh, charged for that. Yeah, it's really, the case itself is interesting. I watched the video, and and the one shot was absolutely warranted. The second one, I don't know, maybe. But the situation is so much more than that indictment and that incident. So the entire rapid response team resigned, as Jack said. They all volunteer for that assignment, and they voted to resign due to a perceived lack of support from City Hall and from the DA over the past year during more than 100 consecutive nights of dealing with violent protests. Not a, not always night. violent, but eventually, that's right, night after night. Never forget, those of you who don't live in Portland or in the West, one, more than 100 consecutive nights of rioting. Lieutenant Franz Schoening, who's supervisor on the term, team, confirmed the vote. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so many demonstrations devolved into clashes with officers late at night. You've seen the video, right? At times ended with vandalism, property damage, fires set. And the crowd control team was often the unit directed to disperse crowds after the police declared unlawful assemblies or riots. Um, so, And there have been multiple lawsuits against the cops. But here's what the cops said. And I thought it was really eloquent. Um, 
The Portland Police Association sent the mayor and police chief a letter urging both to stand up and publicly support police bureau members who voluntarily serve on the rapid response team. They urged the mayor and city hall to stop using RRT members as political pawns, called the team's members exhausted and injured, and wrote that the only glue holding their team together was their commitment to serve the city. Our RRT members do not volunteer to have Molotov cocktails, fireworks, explosives, rocks, bottles, urine, feces, and other dangerous objects thrown at them. Nor do they volunteer to have threats of rape, murder, and assaults on their families hurled at them. They do not volunteer to suffer serious injuries, to be subject to warrantless criticism and face allegations by elected officials, or to suffer through baseless complaints and lengthy investigations devoid of due process. And then, here's my favorite part. He said, these officers find themselves in a no-win situation. They're told to stand down and only intervene when things have gotten so out of control that they have no other option than to use high levels of force to regain control of unlawful demonstrations. Then they're criticized for their perceived inaction at the front end and are criticized for their inevitable use of force on the back end. They can't win because of the position others have put them in which I think is a great description of what's gone on in Portland. No, do nothing. Do nothing. Do nothing. Okay, this is truly dangerous. Clear it out. Clear the whole thing out. And then the politicians sit there at the council meeting. They watch the videotape. They rub their chin, and they say, yes, in the midst of that melee when the fireworks and the lasers and the urine and the feces and the clubs and the rest of it are flying, when you hit that man the first time, I think that was justified, but the second was not. You will be prosecuted. Next video, please. And the cops are saying, F it, we're out. We're out. And who could blame them? I wonder how it ends. I wonder what's next. Well, there's there's a... A problem nationwide of cops retiring or people not applying for jobs because we've got a, a friend of the show who retired early last year and said he had no he he didn't realize he knew he was under a lot of pressure but he had no realize uh, he had no idea how much it was bothering him until he retired this new world where you know there's a lot of riding going on you're gonna have to show up and man you end up on somebody's phone um thinking you're doing the right thing and it looks different or whatever and your life changes, or you become a household name overnight. Right. We had a uh, beloved listener to the Armstrong and Getty Show write us really an interesting and insightful email a couple of weeks ago in which he pointed out, he, he trains cops, he pointed out that cops have gone from, as an incident unfolds, asking themselves, what should I do morally and ethically here? That was their old question. The new question is, what is the least I can legally do just to avoid any involvement in anything that turns out to be videotaped and they become infamous and taken out of context and marches and riots and and, and looting and arson are done in their names, even though they did nothing wrong. They just the reality has changed so much. And, uh, you know, like like most things, we've gone from uh, lack of scrutiny of bad policing to now this incredible spasm of uh, the cops can do no right. And as Jack pointed out, they're, they're, people are leaving police forces by the thousands and thousands. It's by the hundreds in individual cities. They've lost hundreds of officers in Seattle, which is just nuts. Yeah, it is. I wonder if the city fathers and mothers of uh, Portland will find a way to get the rapid response team back together and say, okay, here are the new policies, because this is a a crisis. 
Yeah, I mentioned my uh, my brother who'd been carrying a gun for all kinds of jobs in the military and out for his whole life said he doesn't want to have a job where he carries a gun anymore just because ended up in one of these situations. Yeah, yeah. If Too we, much negative we, can come of it. If we have people that don't want to do that job, we're going to have problems. Well, the one of the women that's running for uh, mayor, and she's tied for second place currently, this Wiley woman, she uh, came out yesterday with in a plan. In New York? In New York. She came up with this plan yesterday to uh, to take a billion dollars out of the NYPD, part of the whole defund the police thing, which is popular with practically nobody except for the craziest 5% of America. Right, right. How about defund government programs that don't do any good? Have you ever heard anybody say that? <laughs> no. That's funny. You'd think that'd be more of a common thing that people run on. No, not only does nobody say it, nobody even thinks of doing it. Hey, um, they're trying to balance the the budget on the backs of the fill in the blank. The blank. Speaking of sketchy government programs, and all over the country, they're trying this. Oh, wait, 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 I got to get to the five hour workday too. I meant to pay oh, that yeah. off earlier. Anyway, um, places where they've tried to put the homeless people in hotels, which seemed like a good idea during the COVID. The hotels were empty, so in some hotels they put the homeless in there. In New York, they've decided, okay, tourism's coming back. Y'all got to get. Anyway. Uh, we got this text. My wife works at a homeless hotel, because we were talking about this earlier. A common trick is to claim that the young friend of yours is a nurse. Probably female. Mm-hmm. Turns out they're both addicts, and she gets drugs and his Social Security money in exchange for sex. So you stay in the hotel with your nurse, who's your right. live-in concubine, I guess. Well, no, she, she doesn't have to live in. She just has to stop by. There are no sure. visitors yeah. allowed. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a fine concubine if she's willing to move in. That's above and beyond the call of the duty of the concubine. But anyway, so that's how you work that Wow. Situation. Okay, fair enough. Thanks for the real-life perspective. See, I was talking about this poor old bastard who got run out of his hotel, and I think he probably is a poor old bastard because his caregiver would stop by now and again. Um and and that may be legit, but see, if I were to then unilaterally design policy based on my perception without getting testimony from people who are in it, who are on the street, who deal with it day to day, that leads to to uh, awful, dumb, misguided, you know, unicornian policy. Sean, I'm surprised you haven't heard this story, or maybe you have, since you follow the Wall Street stuff so closely. A dude on Wall Street. Bet an entire Facebook group that AMC stock would never hit thirty dollars. He said he would eat a dog. Oh, do if it did. Well, three days later, AMC went to fifty dollars. Now that group is actually buying billboards in his hometown, saying, "You know, Dan needs to eat ass. (laughs) (laughs) Take on the internet at your own peril." Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. You You have fool. You have no idea the swarm of bees you are about to try to combat. Yeah. Master of the universe, indeed. Well, I said I'd eat my truck if Donald Trump was ever the nominee of the Republican Party. I said that years before he ever even ran. I didn't think he'd ever run. I sniff a compromise here. Oh, no. I'd rather try to eat my truck. (laughs) Come on, now. I'll start with the right front tire. (laughs) Anybody got a knife and fork? Beautiful. The five-hour workday. Is it coming to your company? Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. Yesterday was the 50-year anniversary of the war on drugs. 50 years ago yesterday, Nixon made the announcement declaring a war on drugs. Um, we can take a look at that in hour four of the Armstrong and Getty Show. If you can't listen, you can get the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Also next hour, an eloquent black father just destroys critical race theory at a uh, school board meeting. want to get to the five-hour workday, but just one brief follow-up on the, or- the Portland uh, situation that I found so interesting. Last fall, and I remember this, Mayor Ted Weasel issued an order for police to stop using tear gas for crowd control, but there was no additional written guidance given to officers beyond the mayor's press release. That's all the cops got was a press release the U.S. Department of Justice found under the Biden administration. When Wheeler was asked about this, he told federal investigators that he would allow police to use tear gas in cases when lives were at risk and nothing else could resolve the threat, but only if he or his designee approved its use. Yet this explanation contradicted the mayor's initial press release the Justice Department found and said banning reasonable police tactics and less lethal tools only serves to escalate police action and force rather than allowing the rapid response team to use lower levels of force to control unlawful activity. Again, don't do anything. Don't do anything. Don't do anything. Oh, my God, it's completely out of control. Do everything. It's the method in Portland. So stupid. I just saw a poll. That horrifies me. I will have that for you in just a moment. Which polls? All of them. Okay. Okay. Not okay. So the average American works 8.8 hours a day, but research suggests that might be three or four too many. Uh, studies show that our focus slides as we become less motivated, make more s- mistakes, become more easily distracted once you get past a certain point in the day. And there's some consultants, some uh, researchers got the idea from that 10,000-hour rule. You remember that? It takes 10,000 hours to get really great at something. Yep. But the researchers in that same study found that the best students practice just four to five hours a day. They didn't practice for 11 hours a day and were exhausted and distracted and making stupid mistakes. They went at it intensely for a much shorter period. So my plan of uh, when I pick up a new hobby, doing it for 10,000 hours straight to get good at it seems to be uh, (laughs) not working out. That is not the idea. And so they talk about a couple of companies that implemented this starting in 2015, and they found an astonishing increase in in productivity, a 50%. Spike in productivity in some of these companies. Five-hour day, no significant breaks, no meals. You just go from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. Throw a snack in your mouth if you have time or whatever, but keep working. And then you go home. Again, astounding uh, rise in productivity. I have- until, until everybody got completely burned out because you just can't go oh, that hard oh. and concentrate that much. And not space off and relax and, you know, whatever. I haven't had a real job in so many years. I mean, it's been a long time. But that after lunch period, oh, oh, brutal. Brutal. I I get tired just thinking about, like, 1 o'clock in the afternoon after lunch trying to do anything. Yeah, and they mentioned that they started to have huge turnover. They say the human brain has a limit on how much information it can process at once due to a finite energy supply. It takes a lot of energy to run the human brain. Well, some more than others. And uh, long story short, it was just too intense. So I saw this headline and I got worried. Luckily, I dug into it somewhat. Unfortunately, uh, many people will only see the headline. Poll, majority now back blanket student loan forgiveness. 
And I thought, oh, boy. It's going to cost trillions of dollars. It's about as non-progressive as anything could be. It's amazing to me that it's pushed by the Elizabeth Warren crowd. It is so non-progressive. You uh-huh. got you got the, the 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 people, the fry cooks at fast food, sending tax money to to wealthy kids because there's a big class distinction among people who go to college and take on class uh, college debt uh, from people that don't. Right, shoeshine guys are subsidizing fake pole vaulters who went to Georgetown. It would quite possibly be the least progressive money redistribution thing we've ever done in our nation's history. I just think they'll take any income redistribution wherever they can get it on the road to socialism. Even if you're you're taking poor people's money and giving it to rich people. Yep. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, But anyway, uh, you look further into it, and it's a poll. 52% of Americans said that they're in favor of blanket student loan forgiveness for all borrowers, according to a new Go Banking Rates poll released Thursday. Hey, The Hill, nice job of going with a bank who has uh, some skin in the game of loans and percentages and that sort of stuff uh, for this whole thing. So So all of a sudden, Uncle Sam would pay off all of those loans. There would be zero defaults, and the banks would get their money. And their own poll shows that's a great idea. (laughs) I'll be damned. I don't understand. I know this is dumb, but I don't understand why the banks have to get paid off. You know, you guys just eat the loss. The taxpayers don't bail it out. But I understand that's a simplistic view. Oh, my God, Sean. Our banking system would disappear overnight. The international finance would which, get the word. The United States doesn't have the rule of law. They can just outlaw your business. Which brings me to Dogecoin. <laughs> what's the hottest new... Uh, bad Doge. Bad. What's, the, what's the hottest cryptocurrency right now? Uh, like, coolest. Got the best mind share. Uh, Ethereum's probably Ethereum tacking, tracking up. Yeah. It's so if I'm going to throw around a term, claim I'm into it. Uh, Ethereum. Oh, Ethereum. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's yeah, take yeah. a look at my Ethereum. Man, that's really really doing well. So uh, talk about throw DeFi decentralized finances. Uh, the, the the Ethereum and the future of DeFi. I mean, that's really where everything's going. So anyway, wow. I just stand there looking at my shoes. Yeah, governments are now going to come out with digital currencies. That's the big move. That's going to be the big change coming up. Interesting. Yep. Armstrong and Getty. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. 
To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.